Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us today. We have Carl Schlachty, and Carl is the chairman, president, and CEO of Ventiva. Ventiva is a privately held company that designs and develops active thermal management technologies, assisting in the cooling of consumer applications in diverse areas such as mobile, power electronics, and LED lighting. His leadership in corporate turnarounds, acquisitions, IPOs, and building successful companies has made him a national go-to for media analyst, and industry leaders. Carl obtained his bachelor's degree in computer science, and he chose the topic of trust. And here's your three-bullet summary. Teams perform best when there's trust. You don't need to work overtime to prove your company is doing something amazing, and then confidence and trust are not synonymous. Enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Doug Hawk, your host for Engineering Leadership. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode today. Uh, we are joined today with Carl Schlachty, he's Chairman, President, and CEO of Ventiva. And Carl's been kind enough to join us today to talk about the constant of trust. And uh, I've got we we've got a list of questions, Carl. But I just wanted to start out by saying I did read your uh, your article or one of your posts on uh, the Peach Stand experience and. <laughs> You know, it really, it really caught my caught my attention. And one one of the things you wrote in there was, you know, this interaction that your wife had with this vendor, and you said the entire conversation between them was a relationship that had a thread of trust running through it. Mm-hmm. Counterintuitively, that trust came with a discount. So, uh, so thanks for joining us. Thanks for picking trust. It's obviously a a great topic and something that so many of the other constants build on. Um, so, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. And um, and I know you had a chance to read some of the other constants that we work on. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you know, where's trust fit in that sort of structure for you? And you know, I've always viewed it as again a building block for many of the others that that sort of has to come first in some cases. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that um, it's been the thread. I think, or the foundational block that, that I think a lot of good functional teams work from. Um, they don't often call it trust. It gets called a whole bunch of other things. Trust seems sometimes a little too squishy or, or touchy-feely when in reality, it's probably among the, the, the base human emotions that we all started with. Um, it's, it's the experience of a, of a child to a parent. Um, it's experience of a friend to a friend and you don't lose all that stuff. The moment you show up at work, you're carrying every bit of that in with you. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's foundational and the foundational piece, if you get the foundation, right, the structure is sound, uh, but you got to work on the foundation. And, and so that's why I chose trust. That's awesome. One of the things I, um, you know, that's, and I talk about this with, 
with folks that I try to mentor and, and with my own team actually at times. And that is, you know, what I call the paradox of trust, right? Because it's, uh, you know, it's hard to trust someone you don't know and to build a team, you know, get to know them. But if you don't, you know, grant some measure of trust, how do you ever kind of get past that? Right. So, you know, I've, what were the experiences early for you that sort of allowed you to kind of, you know, find trust in those you work for, build trust with those that first started working for you? Um, any, you know, any approaches that you've used consistently that have helped out? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, early on, I, th- I think I'm like a lot of, of uh, people that you, know, you start early off and you're put in your career, you're put in kind of the indentured servitude part of the quadrant, right? You know, you're going to, you're going to work very, very hard for very, very little, and you're going to try to understand as much as you possibly can. And the, the beautiful part of that is you get a very broad uh, view, if you're paying attention on different leadership styles, how people treat each other, what they expect of you, whether they ask you the simple question, like, um, how are you doing today? And they really listen to the answer. Uh, whether it's a, a, a true conversation or a perfunctory conversation. Um, and I, I always felt like I was, as early on in my career, I was performing best where I was getting the opportunity to know, uh, connect, uh, put context around the people that I was uh, working with and for, um, and then also given a certain degree of latitude to go off and innovate on my own. One of the, you know, one of the, I think one of the beautiful things about and an engineering degree in particular is it's not, there's a bit of mastery and artistry to the, to, to the, to, to working in, in the space for as much as most people don't think of engineering that way. And that creative piece uh, that generates innovation that also generates success relies on somebody trusting you enough to risk a little bit. Um, and I, I saw that kind of early on. I especially noticed that to be fair, I noticed it in the negative more than anything else. When, when it wasn't there, when it wasn't happening, it was just awful. It was just dysfunctional and stressful and wrong. And you just knew things at your gut weren't right. Um, but when you ran into the people that got it and really uh, understood what the power of, of trust and connection was, I felt like I was dropping weights and running very, very fast. And so I kind of made a decision early on that I wanted to be that kind of leader, not the kind of leader that was transactional, but the kind of leader that was really supportive of the individual. And so I built my career on that part. You think it's been, you know, in the, in the high tech space and I'm, you know, I've, I've lived on sort of both sides of, of, of industry. I'm an energy guy predominantly, but, you know, I started a dot-com and the 99, you know, internet craze the first round, first time around and, you know, spent a better part of a decade on the technology side versus the industrial side. And it was striking to me how much more transactional things tended to be, you know, maybe it was just my experience, but it was, I think because things were changing, you know, it's high tech and it changes so fast and companies are you know, being, they're suffering from that creative destruction perhaps faster than any other part of our economy. Uh, do, you, do you think that's a, is it more of a challenge in, in high tech than, than others? Other industries that might have, you know, longer cycles, I guess, where people deal with each other for longer periods of time. I think you just nailed it. That is exactly it. It's the, you know, you, you compress the cycle 
you look for an immediate result. It, it, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm not endorsing this. I actually think it's wrong. But right. uh, there, is a, there is a pressure in a high-tech company to get a very immediate, uh, flashy, big result. Right. And that tends to turn, in my opinion, it tends to turn uh, uh, the people that you're working with into objects, not subjects. And so you, you, you start to think about work output and, and how many hours somebody's working and are they sleeping under their desk and all of these, these metrics that start to say uh, to the, the person that you're only working on this stuff when I can see you. And, and when, uh, in, in some instances, because you haven't showered in a week when I can smell you, right? <laughs> um, but, but there, you know, there, there's, I've seen companies that do that and are successful and they get rewarded for it, but I've seen companies that do it the other way um, and are, are just as successful. The thing is, it's less dramatic and they get less credit for it. When I say less credit for it, I mean, uh, they, they, those kinds of things aren't written up because who wants to write about like, you know, the fact that Doug got to go home at six o'clock and eat dinner with his family. Right. What they really want to write about is that you were there until midnight and you were strung out on coffee and, you know, all those things, because it seems very dramatic and it's very narrative worthy. Um, but that makes the person into a cog in a machine. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, that's not a good way to live in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think it's, and it's it was, it actually played a role for me in terms of going back into the, the energy side of the business versus staying in tech when I was over there, just because, you know, our industry really exists on trust. I mean, it's a, you know, you know, we deal with, you know, dangerous materials, you're in dangerous environments. I mean, our, you know, when you walk through a refinery and, you know, you're, you're strolling amongst uh, large vessels of highly explosive material, right. You know, you, you really have to trust the system. You have to trust the people you're working with. You have to trust the process. I mean, yeah. if you don't, you, you can't work, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty possible. So it's, uh, but yeah, it was, it was quite different for me in terms of just experiencing the different ways that the different industries, you know, kind of evolved on this topic. Was- yeah, they, 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 that, that's absolutely true. And energy is a, a, a great example because energy is a, a, a fundamental fact of our lives. I mean, like everything that I do in my career is affected by the ability to start at the base level, plug something in the wall and have 120 volts AC delivered on demand without me ever questioning. Um, and, and therein is a bit of trust, like just a little bit of trust sitting in the back end of that system that everything is going to function as it needs to coming out the other side. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think we've lost something vital when we forget that those, that how, how many times during the day you have to count on that very thing that you just talked about walking through a plant with essentially bombs sitting, you know, to your right and to your left and knowing that the people around you have built a system that is going to protect you without you having a contract, without you, right. any of those things you have, you have to do that. And they know that too. Right. They know that you're placing your trust in them when you do that as well. Um, and that is how human relationships are born. That's how they they thrive. Um, I that to me is the interesting part of leading. That's what I think that's what the the joy in leadership is about is helping helping people thrive in those kinds of uh, environments and, and recognizing what humanity they bring to that process. So, yeah. 
you know, I think the, you know, I have, I do think one of the things that, you know, an engineers, I mean, all of us, but certainly I think engineers at times who are trained to get the answer, right. And not necessarily, you know, focus as much on other things or be more focused on the numbers and not the mm-hmm. story or the people all the time. Um, and I think one other, one other aspect is, you know, how do you view the vol- the role of, you know, vulnerability in building trust and having that, you know, that self-awareness and self-confidence at some level to be vulnerable enough to get folks to, you know, kind of get past that, that paradox kind of, you know, point in the relationship. That is a stupendous question. Cause um, I think um, I, so I, so I, I should tell you part, the middle part of my career, I was kind of, what I would say moderately well known in in circles in Silicon Valley. I was I was uh, brought in by VCs a lot to uh, help troubled companies. Um, uh, so I you know they parachute me in um, to a, a a company struggling for whatever reason, and uh, I was quote unquote there to fix it right. Right. Uh, and the 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 challenge with with that kind of thing is that of course you're being brought in by the people with money and the moment i show up in your office you kind of know something's wrong already the fact that i'm there and you're inherently not going to trust me anything right. you can you say canon will be used against you in a court of a venture capitalist and that's a, that's a terrifying prospect when that's the thing you need to survive but at the same point, I need information and you, you need you need the whatever wisdom I can bring to the table. And so the only way that that ever works in, in short term is by me being vulnerable enough to explain to them, yeah, this feels goofy. Like, you know, it, it, let me let me let me take you through my perspective on why I'm here and what I can do and what I can't do in a reasonable period of time, et cetera, et cetera. And, and part of that is letting the people that I'm working with understand that, yeah, I don't. I don't have the answer here either, but let's see if we can go discover it together. A lot of leadership training is not about that. You use the word confidence in the, in, in the, in the midst of this, right? I can be unsure and still confident that I will find the answer. Right. Um, I think a lot of people have translated the words confidence and trust as, as virtually synonymous. And they're actually not. Um, you know, confident. I can have confidence that you, Doug, will deliver on the thing that I've told you to go off and do. Um, uh, but the but trusting you to get it done by Thursday and not checking on you on Tuesday and Wednesday beforehand—that's a totally different thing. Right. Um, and and the, the uh, and of course, in an engineering context, it's even screwier because in, in you know we have Gantt charts. We have we have you know a certain amount of hours. They're going to this is going to happen by Tuesday, and you're tracking progress. You think you tend to think that everything is very definitive and well mapped out, and you forget that uh, you know uh, her, uh, one of your coworkers, her kid has the flu and she can't come in, and you, there's there's all this other human stuff that sits behind it that you just want to say okay, since I can't measure it, I'm just gonna I'm going to quote unquote ignore it. Um, it's messy. Right. And I think that the key, the, the, the key is to be vulnerable enough to recognize the messiness and say it out loud. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I know, you know, I read one of the other, I forget where you wrote this, but I wrote it down. So I remember it. And you said, uh, you know, trust cannot be measured. So we do not seek its pulse. 
know, relationship does not graph nicely on PowerPoint. So we stopped trying to foster it. Yeah. That was a, you know, and the, the reason I, that struck me is because as engineers, you know, we are, we tend to measure and to track right. and to count and to graph and chart, and, you know, right. And right. And if you can't measure it, you're told, I mean, we all, look, we all took Deming's classes. We all did the, you know, Six Sigma training and all the rest of it, right? So if what gets measured gets done. We get told over and over and over. And we forget that humans don't fall into those buckets all the time. Um, and so we, so we try to get rid of anything that can't be measured. And, and, and in the end, I think we might've lost something vital in that. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you know, you did mention, you mentioned that, that transition from what you called it indentured servitude, I, you know, more normally referred to as, you know, individual contributor to, uh, you know, to a leader role with, you know, and I, I ask everyone this and it's certainly one of my, you know, more poignant memories, but what, it was there a moment in time or a, or an, you know, a, for me, it was, a, for me, it was a tearful night on the stoop of my house, you know, where I, I, I really sort of had that, you know, revelation that this is this is different right and i and it was and it was you know that my my day and my objectives had to be largely all about everyone else and not about me and and that you know if i was going to succeed you know i had to stop sort of working harder as an individual and work a lot harder on bringing a team together uh-huh. you know was did you have one of those sort of events in your career as you made that transition i so yes um uh, uh yeah and, and i didn't have the crying on the front porch i had the head down on my desk uh retching into a waste bin or something like that it was just awful um and i was terrible at it and part of the reason i was terrible at it is i was trying to i don't think i had a i, I hadn't really gotten a sense of myself um, uh, you know, who, wh- what did I stand for? What did I believe in? And so I tried to be early on. I, I'm, sure, it's very, I'm sure it's very common. I tried to be everything to everybody, right. uh, everybody's opinion of what, and, and so you, you hunt around and you, you, I had, of course I had my mentors. I went to all of them and you've got to be more like this and you've got to be more like that and act like this person and be like that person. Um, and, and somehow I, the, the, I, the self got, you know, myself got lost in all that. Um, and just exactly just like you talked about, right? I had to get to a point where um, the, where what wasn't working for me was, was uh, uh, serving everybody else's idea of leadership without understanding what, what it meant for me. What did it mean? And some of that was going to piss off some people. That was going to make some people happy. Um, it didn't, to me, at the end, that didn't matter. Uh, if I was going to be happy with myself, that was going to be the thing that, that ultimately was going to turn it for me. Um, but man, getting there, that was a, that was a death march. It was terrible. And I was bad at it. I was really, really bad at it. Uh, but fortunately I had very patient, uh, bosses above me who saw something that I didn't see and were, were like, it's okay. You'll be, you know, it'll, it'll get better. And eventually it did, but early on, yeah, that transition was not great. Yeah. Well, and it's fundamental to, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do with engineering leadership in these discussions and sessions is, you know, remind folks that, uh, you know, this is a, this is something that can be learned. It can be taught, you know, leadership leaders can be built, you know, because we, I think people do hear the stereotypes so often, oh, they were just, you know, they're a born leader. And I'm like, yeah, you know, not that certain tendencies aren't born with certain folks. If, 
you know, they're more ex- extroverted, they're more comfortable in front of a crowd, perhaps. I mean, those things certainly help. Yeah. Those don't make people good leaders either. And I think uh, you know, right. it's good to remind folks that, you know, this is, you know, I think we all stink at it in the beginning. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I actually, I think, I actually think there's a lot to be said for people that stink at it and try to get better more so than people that, that take confidence and turn it into cockiness and they become this, this dysfunctional character of a leader that nobody really wants to be around, but nobody's going to tell them they're not that way. I mean, that's back to your vulnerability and humility, those things, your willingness to learn and improve uh, is a key key aspect of, of getting better at this. And part of that is trusting yourself. Um, uh, so if you don't start there, I don't know where you're going to find it elsewhere. You're certainly not going to find it in a, in a, in a book or in a right. third party. So. Yeah. Well, when you were coming in to, you know, do these turnarounds and fix these companies, and kind of, as you said, parachute into the chaos, um, you know, I, I got to imagine you, you were in, you found situations where trusted, not only probably, maybe perhaps I mean, wasn't existing, but had been broken. Uh-huh. Um, you know, where, where'd you start on those things? I mean, that's uh Yeah, it's hard. Um, partially because, you know, leadership is also uh, the symbol of leadership. So if you're the CEO, people, whether, whether you're a brand new person, and I can guarantee you, I look nothing like the person that occupied the chair before me. Um, you're still, you're, the way you start off is assumed that it's a continuation of the way that it was before. And in it, I, f- I would find myself inadvertently saying or doing things and, and you know, it just being myself and somebody go, aha, you know, he's just like the other guy. Uh, he said that thing too. Um, they connect these weird pieces, disconnected pieces of the narrative into a whole that made, I, I, I learned, made the tried to reduce some of their own discomfort with, with, uh, with a, with a new person coming in. So the way that I tried to break it down was by calling it out. Like we would, we, I would get the, the staffs together and the staff together, and we would have a conversation around like, look, here's who I am. Here's the way I like to do things. Um, does that work for you or doesn't it work for you? If it doesn't work for you, then we got to have a different conversation. Um, and the different conversation may be that you're going to, you're going to leave and that's okay that, you know, I have no problem with that, but let's talk about who I am openly and then figure out how we can use that to help move the ball forward here at the company. Um, and then, you know, when you say that you actually have to do it. Um, And, and that's the piece that I think starts to build the trust. It doesn't happen. It absolutely doesn't happen overnight. You're getting, you're given the gift of the title, which is going to get you a certain open door. Uh, but it only goes so far. You have to do the rest of the work yourself. And it is literally person to person. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, any, um, what's your, what's your favorite book on this topic? You got any recommendations for our listeners? Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, I, I have a couple, um, but there, it's kind of weird. So I, I, you know, I, so wrong. The, <laughs> So, so uh, I think it, the, the ones that have had the biggest effect on me in terms of the way that I approach people are uh, stuff that um, help, help me do a little bit of inner work, uh, understand who I am when I, when I show up. I mean, I, I take a step back before I say this. One of the, one of the uh, I think, great 
opportunities for a leader is to understand the, the triggers that are hidden from them. This is the value of a good mentor, a mentor who can look at you and go, yeah, you know, yeah, so-and-so really got under your skin. Why, why did that? And what does that mean? Sometimes you don't even know. And having a, a third pair of eyes that you can absolutely trust or a second pair of eyes that you can absolutely trust and tell you this, this thing doesn't fit with, I think, who you are um, right. makes a huge, huge difference. And, and it, it, so as soon as you go down that path, you, you recognize that I think I recognize that any uh, good leader that doesn't have an interior life that isn't working on their own stuff uh, is probably not going to be at it for long. Um, and so the kind of books that I read on the subject, any, you know, basically anything on or around Carl Jung or the, uh, the, the shadow self, right. um, uh, super, super, super useful, um, uh, story, uh, uh, books around mythology and the power of myth and myth making. So Joseph Campbell, anything around the hero's journey, super, super useful, um, and then I read, I, I also, I, so I'm, I, you know, I am a nerd. So, you know, uh, uh, the, all, the Apollo stories, you want to talk about great engineering and great engineering leadership, anything around the Apollo stories. I just read um, uh, the story of Apollo 11. I forget the, the author's name. I'll go look that up for you. There's a book by Gene Krantz called Failure is Not an Option. Great book. That's a great um, one. Uh, Flight of the Buffalo. I don't know if you've ever read that. That's a, that's a good one. Um, uh, fierce conversations. The other thing, uh, fierce conversations. You are what you say. These are these are all ones that I kind of go back to over and over and over because the only way that we uh, we we interact with other people is usually through conversation and getting my words to match what I've got going on inside. Um, uh, rectitude. Um, you know, being 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 true to what I what I what I am saying internally and externally, that becomes important too. Those are great. Um, you know, so I wanted to deviate a little bit. You've been in this uh, high tech space for a long time. You've obviously been a, a a renowned figure in the you know whole system on a chip. You know, evolution right from ARM and others and um, where do you see that? Where do you see those trends taking us from a from back a little bit more from an engineering standpoint? Mm -hmm. You know, how's leadership playing a different role in that? Because it's the business to me seems to be becoming more abstract, right? It's not yeah. as yeah. not as vertically integrated right to the substrate as it, you know, as it once was, right? So is, is that changing the the role of, you know, I think about trust, right? It's 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 interpersonal trust and then but these supply chains that are being built now in, in your industry are, you know, far more elaborate, diverse, distributed, yep. um, and couldn't exist without trust, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, well, and then you layer COVID and the pandemic over it. <laughs> um, it goes from being very difficult to non impossible. I mean, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I, I, a lot of our supply chain actually exists in Asia. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll be at the dinner table in the evening. I'm sure you go through this too. I'm in the dinner table, you know, phone starts ringing at six o'clock and, you know, Asia's open. And so I'm dealing with Japan and China and Taiwan and, and all the rest of it. And the only way that works is that I have pre existing relationships. I've been out to dinner with these people right. and they kind of know, and we're all suffering through the same thing. And, and so there's a, there's a, there's a built-in 
uh, piece of uh, trust that, that I'm afforded there. Uh, but you have to work super, super hard at the communication. So you're talking a lot more than you would have before because you know you're not going to rely on a plane ticket six weeks from now to go settle the final deal. Um, uh, so I, I actually think that, that you know, especially as it relates to things like the pandemic, I'm not sure international business travel is ever going to come back to the way it was before. As, you know, I've certainly figured out how much I can push it and get stuff done, and I can actually get a lot of stuff done over the phone and video chats more so than I would have thought was possible. Right. Um, it's not to say it'll go away completely, but I think it's still going to be there. Um, the, the other thing that's gone on with all of this is the, the management tools have evolved to this point where now you're using lots of technology to watch chats going on amongst your team and uh, following up on you know the, your, your uh, action items automatically getting populated onto my to-do list without you know without me writing them down and right. things like that. I, I personally worry that that takes away from the conversation that I would have otherwise had about this stuff, um, and I, uh, some loss of human connection at the expense of. Uh, making sure that I've got another data point that I can track. Um, uh, so I, I, I unfortunately see that trend continuing and expanding, and I don't see that going away uh, anytime soon because it, there is a, some comfort around that to people who, who want to see that something's being done even when they're not paying attention to it. Um, I can't say that I like it, though. So I see those trends happening for sure. Yeah, I think it's I mean, one of the things we've talked about a lot on our team is, you know, we've, is depending on how much longer this goes on, we've been at it almost a year now. And, and uh, I've seen, you know, trust come up in two different ways. One of which is just like you said, for the previous, the previously established relationships have been so important, right? So the fact that, you know, even though we can't go to dinner and catch up now, you know, after the formal meeting, um, we have done that already, you know, and, and, you know, you know, something about their family and yeah, exactly, and, and their children. And, and again, it's, it's in some ways it's become more intimate because I think folks are more comfortable talking about kind of everything that's going on in their life. Cause you know, it's just, everybody's the messiness of everyday life is sort of inserted into the, the environment well, to, yeah, to the thing that we were talking about before right? Right. your office. And I mean, you know, you don't have any, it's just, you know, it's a, it's definitely a different sort of, communication medium, which pulls all that together. Right. right I agree. And, and what I, sorry to interrupt, what I, what I was saying was that the, um, the, back to this other topic you and I were talking about before, because we're all kind of finding our way through this at the same time, mm -hmm. there is forced vulnerability in the system. And the, the, you know, you calling up a, a, a supplier and the first 10 minutes is, man, homeschool with kids over video chat is like, and he's like, yeah. And you end up in this other conversation that you wouldn't have had before. There's a connection made there that, that I, th I think ends up helping things um, over, over the long haul because you're both suffering a little bit. Yeah. Um, and in a, in a counterintuitive way, it, it, it's been, I think it's been good. I know on our team, my team right now, the fact that we have to communicate so much, I mean, there was a point where we literally couldn't get in our building. They'd shut the building. Everything went on lockdown. And everything in our uh, our business relates to being in a lab and building things. Right. Um, so we went on this crash program of getting guys set up in their garages 
Um, and, uh, and so there would be these moments where, you know, Hey, uh, we got, you know, we, I, I drove over to so-and-so's house and I dropped the parts off in his, in, you know, in his mailbox. And, uh, then he, he had some parts in the mailbox. I reprogrammed them in my car and then stuffed them back in the mailbox. And they're like super excited that they came up with this horrifyingly complex answer to get, to get a product to a customer. Um, and yet we were closer as a result of this. Um, and I kept looking at this going, you know, all right, this is bad. This is, I don't, I don't want to subject this to everybody to this all the time, but there is some, there are some blessings that are coming out of this that are really interestingly nice. Um, wouldn't, again, I don't think I'd redu- reduplicate any of it, but pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. The questions we have are more about, you know, how different is it going to be to, to start new relationships and to find, you know, we we're doing more business than we ever have with our existing customers. I think because, you know, they haven't, you know, they're, they're sort of reluctant to go engage in new relationships too. And they're not sure how to do that. So it just, you know, more and more, as long as we keep building that trust and the relationship itself, it's, you know, it's really paid off in ways that it historically didn't because it was, you know, not as, not as linear a process for folks, but, um, but we are faced with, you know, establishing new, new relationships, finding new customers and getting them, to, you know, and building that sense of trust. Yeah, when Doing, yeah. doing that, over, doing that over zoom or, you know, any video chatting application. Oh my gosh. Super, super difficult yeah. uh, in our business. Um, uh, what we, what we make are, are air movers, um, cooling devices. And the a key part of the, of the entire sales process is you put your hand in front of this device and you feel the air move. Mm. That, is gone for us. Right. So how do you do this in front of a customer? Because now they not only they have to trust that what I'm saying I've got, I've got, but a key aspect of its performance is something that you're not going to see until you figure out how to buy it from me. Oh my gosh, super difficult. Yeah, for those for our listeners, you know, Ventiva does make a and and for those of you like me that are, I find the wine of the fan on my laptop to be yes and so so. I was going to ask you, like, how how much how far can you scale these things up? Because, man, if we could if I could get rid of all these, you know, moving cooling devices with one of your, you know, solid state devices, it would be a pretty good day for me personally. So that would and, and that would be a very good day for us too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're so they scale. They just so you know, they do scale up to that kind of application. There's a there's a, a, a logical limit to the stuff that we have, but yeah, it's a solid state air mover. So it's tiny. It's uh, uh, it blows air and it carries no meaning for you. If I show it to you on a video screen, zero. Um, so yeah, we've had to learn this whole other language around our stuff. And I have to say that too has been pretty useful. Um, you you do get, I, I think without all of the pain that the pandemic has put on, um, we fall into habits of conversation that, um, that, that we've broken that down a little bit on now. Right. Um, and that'll make, when, when this is done, that'll make us much, much better about explaining it when we go to third parties. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, we've just all got to get better at those things, right? I think, yep. uh, any, um, any particular Clemson moments that come back to you on the Oh my gosh! Journey around around leadership. You know, we're we're uh, obviously we'll have lots of folks listen to this, but we are we're focused on our you know our Clemson audience as much as anything. Sure. Yeah, I had uh, well a couple of things. One is it's where I met my wife. 
Um, and um, so you know, when, when you have that kind of thing happen in a locale, you can't not feel just a, a just a, a, a penumbra of satisfaction every time I show up there with her. Of course, when you take your kids on tours there, um, they they are not thrilled at all to hear all the stories that you had as young lovers in, in the place. But, um, uh, I, I would say that the, 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 I did a senior project, so it's computer science and, and computer engineering. I did a senior project um, uh, that uh, I went to one of my professors, Dr. Roy Pargas. I think he's still there. Great guy. And I said, I want to go do this thing. Um, uh, I've been, you know, we, we've been work, I've been studying, you know, this particular area of electrical engineering, and I think there's something that can really be done to automate some of it. Um, I, I'd like to take a semester and call it a course, and uh, and go uh, see if I can develop this this piece of code. And this is a great example of trust because you know you got some you know, some kids showing up in your office saying there's not a, a course on the schedule that says you know, this is what deserves an A and this is what deserves to be. And we designed the curriculum together. And, he let, and I, I worked my butt off on this thing for an entire semester, learned an absolute ton of information around it. And it was all based on the fact that the professor believed that I was actually going to do what I said I was going to do. So there is a thread of trust running through right. that whole thing. Um, it was, oh, it was just absolutely, I don't know that any other school in 19, you know, 19 that would have been 1984, I don't know any other school at that time that would have done something similar in this, you know, the field of computer science when you're trying to prepare people um, uh, to go out into the workforce. But he did, and he got it approved because he has to, of course, get that approved by the department and everything else. So it's a super. There had to be trust all the system, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I think that um, you know it's definitely a unique environment there. For yeah, sure. absolutely. What about the? Um, do you think the the changes to the supply chains, some pandemic, some political. I mean, obviously there's a, yep. I think there's a lot of growing tension with, with China and the, you know, for lots of reasons, but certainly in, in the high tech industry where so much of the manufacturing has shifted and the supply chains have extended. Um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you view trust and the role of it in that, like that extended yep. sort of supply chain manner and, and, is it going to be harder to, to build and maintain that trust in, in this environment or, or, or easier? I, so I think it's harder in some aspects geopolitically when you talk about like we have a, a we had a bunch of customers uh, in China. Uh, I was sitting on boards of companies that had business in in China and um, and all of a sudden you're being told you, you can't. Um, and it's nothing that they've done. The, the company that you're working with has done it's nothing that you've done, but it's a, it's, it's, you're dealing with some larger geopolitical concern. And now everybody reverts to their corners. Uh, you know, we turn into, we, we turn into Americans and they turn into the, you know, the Chinese communist party. And right. I think that's going to be really hard to get back. Uh, in spite of the fact that I have, spent a ton of time in China. 
um, uh, and been out to dinner and been to people's houses and, you know, all, all of the, 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 the things about relationship building, that is going to be super hard to get back under any circumstances. Uh, even, even though the relationships, and I still try, I still make it a point of reaching out to those, those folks just to touch in nothing. I can't do any business with them and we can't interact the way that we used to, but I, I still value the relationship. Uh, in other aspects where the supply chain has had to pick it, pick up the slack left by the, the folks that uh, you couldn't do business with before, um, it really, really helps if you had a backup. If you knew that you were going to get this done in Taiwan or Malaysia or somewhere else uh, as, a, as, a, as a secondary uh, way of getting your product built, you're much better off than you would have been trying to do that or build that up right now. And that has served us well because we've had those relationships already. Um, uh, so I, I see greater emphasis on the stuff we have, but I don't see, in my personal opinion, the supply chain running through, uh, through China is always going to be impacted or impacted for certainly the rest of my career to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy for the, for younger folks to forget that, you know, I mean, I grew up in the, you know, in the eighties, um, graduated Clemson in 94 and, you know, so we were, we were at the transition of a divided, you know, there was two worlds, right? right. I mean, the, there was the, you know, the Soviet and the Soviets and everybody aligned with them. And then there was the West and everyone aligned with, with that side. And, and, you know, there of course was the Berlin wall in the middle was this, you know, the symbolic divide, but, you know, it, uh, I, I don't think we've thought through entirely what that means to mm-hmm. in a world that's so much more connected, right? our systems and our networks and our, you know, whether they're monetary, whether they're informational, whether, you know, yeah. uh, and the energy system that, that connects everybody with, which I work in is, is it's become once those barriers did come down, you know, in the, in the early nineties and, and then beyond, obviously all of our businesses are built to sort of live in a world that is interconnected, pretty interconnected and integrated. Right. And, and, now I, I don't know. I, I I think there's a period coming at us where, um, you know, you're going to have two different supply chains. For I, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I I've I've wondered. I mean, I don't. I'm not. You know, I'm a I'm a armchair sociologist when when it comes to this kind of stuff. But um, there is a generational divide here. If you grew up uh, in the you know. 50s and 60s with the the divide between East and West as we understood it, the Iron Curtain. Um, I think you're innately more comfortable with the divide, thinking of the world as being able to still be divided that way, the good guys and the bad guys. Um, And that's that's the lot of, I mean, I'll just say it, that's a lot of what our, our, our leadership is right now. Not that they're bad people, but they have a worldview that started under, you know, a, a divided world. And you and I are asking a lot of these questions right now around like, well, wait a minute, it doesn't quite work that way in, in point of fact. Um, uh, you know, I, there, I, may, I may say my car is built here in Detroit, but 60% of the components are coming from places outside of the United States. And a healthy, of the, healthy number of those came from China. How do I suddenly fix that thing? And what does that look like? And and so before we bring that wall down and say, you can't go over there, how do I get time to get my supply chain in order to make that happen? Very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think it's, it's, it's something that, you know, we just haven't faced in a better part of a whole generation. And, yep. you know, 
I've never had to work in that kind of, you know, I, I certainly was a kid in that environment. So I, I remember it, but I didn't have, you know, I wasn't working yet. So it just, right. you know, yeah. our world's always been connected on every level. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's definitely going to be, be a big change for folks. Um, yeah. And I think building, you know, new supply chains and new capabilities and new teams, um, you know, around the world in different places is going to, you know, I think it's, it's just, none of that can happen without trust. Yep. I agree. Such a fundamental skill. I mean, I think that, um, I do think your points earlier about, you know, self-reflection and self-knowledge are critical, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, if you don't have that, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, that's a different way of putting it, then you're never going to have that needed vulnerability for folks to get close to you and, and trust you. And right. Yeah. You can't give to somebody else what you haven't given to yourself. And um, I think the job of today's leadership, engineering or not, is to is to is to show up comfortable in your own skin and help somebody else be a get to being a better person. Um, you get that kind of thing going in, in your, in your team or in your group, amazing things happen without you even looking at it. Um, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're mowing the lawn and they're thinking about the problem because they love what they're doing. Um, that's, that's the joy of work. That's the joy of, 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 of being involved with a group of people trying to fit to a common purpose. And it can be a mundane thing like flipping hamburgers, but you can still find joy in it. Uh, but it really does depend on, on leadership that, that at its base level trusts you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What else, Carl? What, uh, what, would you, what would you tell these folks in terms of any particular idea on where to get started if they, mm -hmm. you know, haven't thought a lot about this yet? Um, yeah. Um, uh, I, so find, I think you mentioned this at the beginning and I'll just echo it. Finding yourself good mentors, uh, is critical, uh, and they should not be in your, in your, in your current management chain. Right. Uh, they should be, they should be disinterested third-party observers who all they care about is whether or not you get it or not. Um, and, and make sure that that mentor list is diverse. If you're a male, find females, find people of color, find people in alternative sectors of the industry, find, get diversity of opinion coming into you because that's what gives you dimensionality around who you are as, how, how you are perceived as, as a leader. Um, and then I think the other thing, and it's kind of counterintuitive, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's I, I, I guarantee you, you've had people working for you that were, they could just, they were just kind of irritated. They got under your skin. They pushed you a little bit. They made you, they asked questions. They, they kept coming in your office when you didn't have time. They, they did all these things. And, and they ended up being leaders later on. And you knew it was happening. You saw it happening as they were doing it. Um, I would encourage people to be that person. The person that, you know, the, 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 your, your, uh, you expect better things from yourself and the people around you. And you're willing to push a little bit. It's not always going to get you satisfaction. You're not always going to be happy with it. And there will be bosses that you work for that will absolutely hate it. Uh, but you want to align yourself with the people that, that, uh, that take that pushing and, and, and return it in kind. So that would be, those would be the two pieces of advice I give people starting out. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, 
you know, I've, I've found out even, I mean, I was fortunate to have great mentors and, and as I've done mentoring now for many years, you know, I, I, you know, I'm always, a lot of folks always are feeling thankful about that and thank you for doing this. And I'm like, you don't have to thank me because I get, I get way out of way more out of this than I get. Right. Like it's, and, and now it's, it's that diversity of perspective too. Right. Because you're, you can see the organization from a different view, mm-hmm. particularly as you do get into the CEO or president role, you're like, you know, you need that, that unvarnished, un- disinterested perspective and to be able to really see what's happening. At times. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, I'm a, look, let's, let's be honest. I'm a privileged white guy. Um, and that, that is, that's a, afforded me a lot of blessings in my career, but it has blinkered me in, in a, in a number of different ways that I only get better when I'm exposed to the alternative opinion, even when it gets, gets me bothered. Um, because what I'm figuring out is why was I blind there? Why didn't I know that? Why didn't I ask that question? It usually has something to do with the way that I didn't want to see the world and, and, that's part of self-improvement. And I think it's also part of the, uh, you know, you're constantly trying to get better at your job. I think that's the, 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 the role of a good leader. You're always willing to get a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and that's certainly, it's a good one to close it out with, because that is our theme, you know, leaders are built, not born. And uh, as we know, as engineers, getting anything built takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, and a good group of folks. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. much Carl. And, um, Appreciate it. Appreciate you giving us your time and wisdom and experience and and spending time with, with us today. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a lovely conversation. I've enjoyed it. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.